Well, this morning we are starting a new series, and I know that uh, it is Mother's Day, and then coming up next month is Father's Day. And so between Mother's Day and Father's Day for the next uh, five or six weeks, um, we're going to be looking at a uh, series of passages in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, probably one of the most famous um, uh, passages uh, on our relationships of our marriage. And so we're going to be talking about uh, marriage and the fact that it matters and it is a creation that God has put in place. Marriage is not something that we as uh, humankind sat around and, and said, oh, this would be great. I really like you. And so let's come together and, and be a couple. Uh, this was not created by man. Uh, the institution of marriage was created by God. Uh, and so if, if he is the one that created it, we need to uh, listen to and uh, understand uh, his instructions on marriage, to how to make it work and what it was supposed to be like. And, and so we're going to be looking at some different uh, matters that uh, uh, go with marriage. You might say, you know, why do we... Why are we going to spend so much time on marriage when a lot of you I know are not married? Uh, there's some older ones, maybe you're widows uh, or widowers. Uh, uh, some of you are divorced. Some of you are younger and you're not even married yet. Um, uh, so why do we talk about marriage? Well, first of all, uh, we need to look at marriage because it's there. Uh, God talks about it. And I think anything that God takes the time to talk about, we need to uh, begin to listen and, and hear. But it's not just because it's there, um, but it really reveals more than just um, a guideline for us to follow. It is a revelation of God's character. Um, and, and he mentions it, that, that it's not just about marriage. It's really about us. It's about us and God. Um, it is uh, the call that God um, is calling us to. Not only that, but as we, as we begin to go deep and understand the real core uh, meanings and functions of marriage, even if we're not married, we are able then to influence those around us that are married. Um, we need uh, to understand what God says so that we don't give bad advice, so that we encourage others wherever they are on this road, that we lead them in the right way. And so whichever place you're at, I, I think that this has some really important um, uh, content for us as we look at marriage. And for those of you that are married, of course, uh, we definitely need to listen what God says and be willing to, if we're, if we're not where we need to be, tweak that and bring ourselves back. Um, if we are doing that, we need to go deeper and, and just become even more founded on that. And so... Um, uh, we're going to be looking at this passage uh, in Ephesians, and uh, let's go ahead and read that. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to start in verse 21 and go down to verse 32. And this is what he says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, 
Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourished it and cherished it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. There's an understatement, right? When we're talking about marriage, God says this mystery is profound. But I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So there is a lot in here. I mean, uh, there is... Uh, both some deep things that are hard to understand, as well as some very controversial uh, things that we're going to get to all of these different things over the next six weeks. Um, uh, we're going to take time and really dig these out. But um, we really want to come back to the very beginning. Today we're going to look at um, what is the source of marriage? What makes marriage possible? What gives us the power to create a good marriage. I think any of you that have been married or are married um, realize that it's hard work. And sometimes, even though you want it to work out, it seems like we just mess it up. And so what is the source? How does this work? Um, uh, how do we find the ability to make it work, especially when things have happened? There are wounds. Uh, there are differences in our personality that just seems like we can't get over. And yet, we're going to look at, at today, there is a deep ability to make this happen, and it is through uh, one thing. And, and really what it is through, it is, it is through addressing the main enemy of marriage. We need to understand, we need to know what the problem is before we can take care of the problem. And in verse 21, um, it, it gives us the starting point. Um, now, when we look at verse 21, we need to understand what it came out of. Because remember, always look at the context of the whole passage. And this whole passage of chapter 5 is about God showing us how we are to be as redeemed people. That he has saved us. He has transformed us. He has chosen us. So therefore, we need to walk uh, accordingly. We need to begin to enter into that life that he has now given us. And so in the previous chapters, he has just said, uh, if you go back up to verse 15 of chapter 5, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And it says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So this whole rest of this section is going to be God showing us what the will of the Lord is. 
And he kind of summarizes it in the next verse, and he says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And wine is, is a single thing, but he's not just focusing on wine. He's using that as a symbol of not being drunk on the things of this world. Um, uh, do not be so focused that that is your goal, that you're, you find pleasure uh, in, in the world, and that is your main pursuit. But don't do that. Instead, it says, but be filled with the Spirit. So here's the key. In everything we do so that we can walk as wise people in all of our relationships, we need to not walk with our eyes focused on the things of this world, on how we feel. You see, wine and pleasure, they all cater to how we feel. They make us feel good. It says don't seek out the things that make you feel good. But to really enjoy life, to fulfill your calling in Christ, do this. Be filled with the Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, looking to the Spirit as your guide, that is going uh, to be the source of everything we do. We need the Spirit. We cannot do it on our own. Now look at what it says in verse 21. Let's come back. To, we've read this. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, you notice many times we say, oh, we, we think of the submit word and we only connect it to wives. That's not right. We are not reading it correctly. We are all to submit to one. The will of God, if we are to walk properly, if we are to be filled with the spirit, the very character of being filled with the spirit is a humble heart of submission. So we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The very goal of following and worshiping Christ is shown by submitting to others. It's not in a religious act. It's not in coming to church. Um, it's not in uh, singing songs and doing all these things. The greatest sign and end. Uh, gift that we can give to God out of our love for God is to submit to one another. But the only way we can do that is through the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about submitting to one another, that implies that the real problem that we have is, is struggling with submitting. And, and what is it that keeps us from submitting to one another, from looking out for other people's good rather than my own. What keeps me from deferring my plans, what I want, for, for pleasing someone else? And I'm going to tell you what it is. The enemy of every marriage, of every relationship, is self-centeredness. You see, the very opposite of submission is self-centeredness. Now, sometimes we can live in self-centeredness and it can look like submission because we're being kind to people and we are doing it. But it is only because we are meeting our needs. We are only doing it when it meets our definition of pleasure. Um, uh, but that is still self-centeredness. So we need to understand that in every problem, we sometimes think it's money. We sometimes think it's sex. We sometimes think it's in-laws. 
Um, all of these things that cause problems in our marriage, they still, all of those things have their foundation in self-centeredness. They all have come back to a focus on ourself, how we perceive money, how we perceive sex, how we perceive our in-laws and what's going on, how we perceive uh, what our spouse is doing, how they're treating us, how they're talking to us. Um, it is self-centeredness that is pulling us away from the potential of what God wants us to have. And God wants us to have a, a strong, loving, joyful marriage uh, that is filled with potential and greatness. A marriage that just sings to the Lord. But that only happens when we are able to defer our desires to serve someone else's needs. Um, and that means dealing with self-centeredness. Because self-centeredness uh, is the root problem, actually, of all sin. So it says to overcome self-centeredness, we are filled with the Spirit so that we may submit. Um, so submitting to one another is the key to overcoming self-centeredness. Now, the word submit that it talks about here is really a military term. Uh, it, is, uh, it is a word that has to do with a, a soldier as they submit to their superiors. Um, and the submission uh, is a, a working out of the command structure of an army. Um, it is not about lording over someone, and it is not about becoming a slave. It is about finding your place in the army to accomplish a great goal. Um, so the word submit, it has a reference of working in unity with a group of people uh, in order to achieve uh, something for everyone. So in other words, it's the picture of a soldier who puts his own needs aside for the good of everyone together and works together um, to fight alongside one another. And as he submits uh, to his fellow soldier and to those in charge, they are able to win great battles. We see that that submission of finding that place of, of a purpose um, uh, that relates to the whole rather than an individual purpose allows them uh, to even defeat enemies at great odds. Um, and so this is what it's referring to when it says we need to submit to one another. We need to understand that there's an enemy out there. And so it is not an individual thing. Well, I'm not going to submit to them because they're, you see, that's not the, the focus that we're supposed to have when we are submitting. We submit because we are going to defeat the enemy who is trying to destroy everything that Christ died for. And so when we begin to submit in that way, that I am going to put my needs aside and I'm going to serve one another because we are fighting together. We are fighting for one another. Um, it changes how we see that. Now, the problem with submitting um, a lot of times is, is uh, made difficult because of the wounds that we have. Just like a soldier, it's hard for them to fight when they're wounded. And many of us in our relationships find ourselves wounded. 
Um, maybe we are wounded from our past uh, growing up uh, in our homes, how we have seen relationships, uh, how we have uh, been uh, through things that have been very hurtful. Um, and there are people that are very wounded. Um, sometimes the wound is in the current relationship that we're in, that, that we feel like we have been wounded uh, by uh, our spouse. Uh, maybe it's uh, wounds that come from outside of our marriage in, uh, in the workplace, but those wounds still affect us as we relate to one another. Um, and the big thing in this society uh, we have treated wounded people uh, with this idea that, that we need to bring healing. Uh, and, and we have treated them as the biggest thing that they need is they need to regain their self-esteem. Um, and it's not that that is not true. We do have compassion. But the problem with that approach is that, that we need to pamper that person. That person needs to find uh, a, a, a re renewed self-fulfillment. Uh, the problem with that is it assumes that the woundedness creates the self-centeredness. Because many people that are wounded, we see how they, they lash out at people. And, and we say, oh, they're, they're lashing out because they're wounded. As if the woundedness has caused the self-centeredness. Uh, we see people that have uh, deep wounds in their past. They tend to be very self-centered because they've had to learn that no one else is going to take care of me, so I'm going to take care of me. But the problem is when we uh, begin to uh, encourage them uh, to take time for themselves, to discover themselves, to find themselves... What we end up doing is actually aggravating the self-centeredness even more. Because here's the problem. We've got to come to this thing. And this is what our world does not agree with. See, our world views every person as, as naturally good. And that everything that is wrong has come because of the wounds that have happened to them in their, in their life. Um, and yet the Bible tells us just the opposite. In fact, the Bible tells us we are naturally self-centered. In fact, the brokenness happened well before our wounds. In fact, we are all uh, self-centered before anything ever goes wrong in our life. And until we accept that, we can never deal with our wounds um, without uh, taking us even deeper uh, into that self-centeredness. Now, when we are wounded by one another, by other people, by circumstances of life, we do need to understand that that does aggravate our self-centeredness. It makes it worse. It's, it's, it's kind of like, yes, our self-centeredness is there already, but then when we're wounded, it just makes it worse. It, it just seems to twist it. It, 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 it seems to bring um, just a smoke screen to where now we can see nothing else but our self-centeredness. Um, and, and so the wound uh, uh, does need to be treated, but we need to begin to gently uh, treat the wounds with the understanding uh, that the answer to my wounds is not finding my own place, but the answer to our wounds is only found in Christ. You see, the only source 
we go back to the beginning. The only source of, con of defeating self-centeredness is not, well, if I just can get everything I want, then I'll be happy and everything will be fine. No, because that never happens. The only hope for self-centeredness is Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. And, and so we need to encourage one another or even ourselves, when we find ourselves wounded, we need to understand that we cannot be driven uh, to care for ourselves. We need to be driven to Christ to say, God, I need you to heal me. I need you to be uh, the source of my pleasure, of my fulfillment, of my identity, that even though I'm wounded, I find healing in you. I don't find healing in just taking away the pain uh, and dealing with the symptoms. And, and so uh, in our marriage also, we need to be careful that we don't uh, just uh, uh, try and uh, pamper our egos, but that we bring each other to Christ. In, in fact, uh, that is the ultimate ministry of marriage. Um, it is to serve one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. Um, it is not to, I know the world sees marriage as just to find this romantic connection. Uh, like in the movies, we, we know that great movie um, when she, she sees him and she says, you complete me. And so we're looking for a marriage that we think the healing of all the wounds will be found just by the other person treating us in the right way. And therefore, we will experience a completion through the other person uh, uh, treating us in the way that we want to be treated. Um, and yet that's not the answer. That will only aggravate the self-centeredness, whereas we need to understand that only Christ can complete us. Um, now, when we first come together, when we're first dating or when we first are meeting someone and when we're first married and uh, you get married, everything is great because that other person does seem to completely complete you and, and you just seem to, even their differences don't seem to bother you too much because it's kind of neat and, and cute. Um, and so everything is great. But here's the thing, the longer you're married, or the longer you're with anyone in one place uh, or one uh, uh, experience, you will start to see more and more the other person's selfishness. You start to see that really the other person really is, is looking out for themselves and not you. You begin to see that more and more. Uh, the longer you're married, all of a sudden, Wow, this person really is selfish. Um, and instead of seeing their love for you, we begin to see that. Now, here's the other thing that, that seems to happen. Not only uh, the longer you're married, you see how selfish they are. And, and you begin to see that in everything they do. Oh, my goodness. You know, they're not even thinking of me. But here's the other thing. As you begin to see that in them, they begin to see it in you. And they start to tell you about it. So as things go on, they start to tell you how selfish they see you are. Um, and, and so this begins the uh, uh, separation in any relationship. Now, uh, the third thing that happens 
is that as you're seeing their selfishness and as they're seeing your selfishness, you begin to think in this way. Yeah, I might be selfish and yeah, I do those things, but you don't understand. If you understood what I'm going through, see, my, that's understandable. But my selfishness is nowhere near as bad as your selfishness. That's the third thing that happens. And, and so we would say, if you would just understand, then it would work out. But see, the problem is they're thinking the same thing. We begin to see our selfishness as not as big a deal as the other person's selfishness. Um, and that is uh, the enemy that pulls us away uh, from what God wants to accomplish uh, in our marriages. So what do we do? When we're in that situation, we can go one of two ways. Uh, the first way is you can decide that your woundedness, the things that, that you have been wronged in, the unfairness that, hey, wait a second, I'm just not getting my fair share in this marriage. You know, I love you, but, but we need to, to get this right so that because I'm not being treated right. You can think that that is more important than your own self-centeredness. That's one way you can go, that you begin to say, uh, yes, I understand I'm a little uh, self-centered, but, but really my woundedness is much greater than my self-centeredness. In other words, you have wounded me uh, more uh, than uh, the, that I deserve. Um, and we begin to go that way. And when we go that way, um, uh, what happens, we begin to negotiate. We begin to say, hey, wait a second. You need to uh, give me what I want. Uh, and if that does not happen, then this is where there are splits and divorces. Um, and if there's not a divorce or if there's not a split, what happens is, and this is what happens a lot of times, because uh, the other person is feeling the same way. You know, we say, you need to understand how I'm feeling. If you just understand how I'm feeling, then this can work out. But the problem is they're thinking the same thing. Um, and what happens is we begin to bargain with one another. And so husbands uh, and wives, now we don't always say it out loud, but this is what we fall into this pattern. You know what? If you don't bug me about that, I won't bug you about this. And so we begin to negotiate a, a ceasefire. But the problem with that is we're still living under the, 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 the cloud of self-centeredness. We're still more worried about ourselves of what I'm getting out of the marriage uh, rather than what I am giving to the other person. And what happens is those marriages can look very happy because you can learn to, okay, we've got an agreement and you can learn to live that. But the problem is it may look happy on the outside, but there's no intimacy. And we're going to see as we go on that, that that's not the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage was not just so that you won't be lonely anymore, that you'll have someone to come home to. I, I mean, that's great, and it does accomplish that. But how many know that you can be more lonely in a bad marriage uh, than you were ever in no marriage? Sometimes you feel like, I'd rather not be married. I would be less lonely if I was by myself than with you. Um, and... Let's be honest. We, we, we have felt that before. We need to be honest with that. But that is because um, we have entered into this bargaining and either we come to an agreement and then it's just a cold existence from then on out. There's no intimacy. Uh, it just becomes uh, uh, a contract. 
And that's not what it was meant to be. Or you can go the second way. The second route is we can determine as a Christian, I am going to determine that this scripture that says I am to submit to one another out of the reverence of God. I'm going to determine that my wounds are not as important as your needs. That happens when we begin to understand that God will treat my wounds. I will rely on God to give me my fulfillment and my my healing. But your needs are way more important to me. That I'm going to determine that your needs are going to be my focus. And I will leave my woundedness up to God. Um, and, and that takes a determination. But it, what it really takes is it takes the Holy Spirit. Remember we've said that. You cannot do that on your own because we are consumed with our self-centeredness. And so we need the Holy Spirit. And that takes a submission. God, I'm going to submit to the Holy Spirit because I am determined that I want to put the other person's needs first. I want to be a servant to them. In this marriage, you have called me to this marriage to be a minister of the gospel to my spouse. And I cannot be a minister to my spouse if you do not become the minister to my heart. And when you begin to do that, when two people begin to do that, when two people begin to fully submit to God so that they may minister to one another and they put their own woundedness aside and they begin to focus on the other person's needs, I'm telling you that marriage is not always perfect and it doesn't mean that there will never be hardships, but I'm gonna tell you, that marriage based on that premise that I will determine I'm doing my best to serve you, not to treat my needs. That marriage will sing. That marriage will be a reflection of God to the world. That marriage, although not perfect, will be great. And here's the thing. What if even only one person in the marriage decides to do that? Because maybe many of us are that way. Or maybe we think. Now be careful because we think we're that way and we become self-centered and say, I'm the only one working on this marriage and you keep doing this. Be very careful because that's, as soon as you say that, that shows that you're not the one working on the marriage. Because when we truly submit, that means we're willing to minister to that person even when they do not take the same action towards us. So even if it's only one person in a marriage that submits to God and seeks to minister to the other, then that brings the possibility of the Holy Spirit working. Now, it takes longer because when it's only one person, it's going to take a lot longer. But the Holy Spirit will day after day after day. And this is where you have to stay consistent. And in many times in one blow up, you can ruin what you have built up over even a month or a year's worth of time. And that's when there needs to be repentance again. But when you rely on the Holy Spirit, it begins to soften the other person. So even if you're the only one doing it, this is the great thing about the Holy Spirit. If you are truly following the Holy Spirit and submitting to the other person, even if they don't submit to you, the Holy Spirit will begin to work in their heart and to begin to soften them. But here's the, the crux. That brings us back to the very beginning. Why are we submitting to one another in marriage? Why are we trying to minister to one another? Why do we put our wounds aside when, when the other person has hurt us? The other person doesn't seem to even try to care for us. 
Here's why. Let's come back to that verse. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you love Christ? Do you love God? Then your goal is not to make the other person into the person she should be, he should be, but it is to simply be a servant to them because of what Christ has done for us. I serve my spouse, not because of what she has done, not because of what she earns, not because of how she makes me feel, but we need to do it out of reverence for Christ. I submit, I bite my tongue. I say yes, dear, when I am angry and when I'm hurt, but I do it because my focus is on Christ. And I say, God, I love you so much that you died for me when I was treating you that way. Therefore, I'm not going to treat my spouse that way. I'm going to love them. I am going to submit myself to my spouse. And that means always, not just when they're good, not just when everything is fun, out of reverence for Christ. Now, here's the problem. It really brings, like, we say we love God, but this will really prove if we do. The tr person who says they love God, and yet they treat their spouse in ways by words that are harsh and cutting, it says you're a liar. Then you do not have reverence for Christ. Because if you had reverence for Christ, if you were submitted to the Holy Spirit, if you were letting the Holy Spirit move, I'm not saying it's easy, and you may struggle with it, but you will begin to lay yourself down and even die to your feelings for your spouse. That is the source of our marriage. The only way we can make our marriage work is that each one of us need to find a new reverence for Christ. We need to realize that we're sinners and we need Christ. We need to realize that God offers us a great power through the Holy Spirit, but we have to die to ourselves, And that's why Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me and I will give you life that when you lose your life, you will gain it. I know it seems like I'm just dying. I'm just losing everything. I'm just becoming nothing in this marriage. I'm just going to be walked on. You got to trust God. It may be like that at first, but you trust God. And what God has promised is that in the long run, if you will continue, if you will die, there will come a day when there will be a resurrection. God will bring life and then it will be life forever. So when we begin to get marriage right, when you get your marriage right and begin to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, I'm going to tell you, if you have your marriage right, and even if everything in your life goes wrong, if you lose your job, if things are hard, if you become sick, when, the, when everything in your life is hard, if your marriage is right, I'm telling you, you will have strength and potential to meet any challenge. But here's the thing. If your marriage is wrong, if you are not submitting to one another, if you are not living in that reverence to Christ that, that, that draws you to submission, then even if everything is great, even if you get a promotion and, and you have all the money in the world and everything's going good, I'm telling you, if you're not living in the rightness of your marriage, you are going to be weak and vulnerable. And so that's how important our relationships are. So today I want to encourage you, submit to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and he'll help you do it. You might be saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. Trust in the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fill you with so much of a revelation of how much he loves you. Because when you know how much God loves you, then it'll be easy to submit. When your fulfillment comes from Christ, then it's easy to be vulnerable with your spouse because you're not relying on your spouse for your fulfillment. Christ is our fulfillment. So I encourage you, submit to one another and let's begin to enjoy the, the marriages and relationships and homes and families that God wants to give you. Let me pray with you.